You are Locked On Hawks Postcast, part of Locked On Atlanta on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into our Atlanta Hawks Basketball Postcast. I am your host, Tanitra Batiste, and of course, joining alongside me tonight is Deshaun Tate. We welcome you in for the best Hawks talk. It's local insight. You can't get anywhere, but right here at Locked on LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. They are sponsor tonight. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on NBA. That's LinkedIn.com slash locked on NBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And of course, the Locked On Hawks Postcast is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Now, Deshaun. The Hawks were back home looking to even up this season series versus the Bulls tonight, but they kind of went dry from distance in the second quarter, never really bounced back. And of course, we'll talk about what happened in the and one. Then we'll look a little bit ahead to Wednesday's game with the Hornets. Of course, that's the final game before the all-star break. But first, got to get our takes on tonight's 136-126 loss to the Bulls. And Tate, you said this was a classic example of the tortoise and the hare. Yeah, no doubt. Just when you think that you've got the, you know, the tortoise all figured out and I'm much faster and I'm much, you know, more athletic and I can get up and down. Great job in terms of fast breaks for fast break points on tonight. Got a chance to see those numbers look a lot better. Um, 21 to seven edge, but it felt like that may have been probably the only edge because we didn't get a chance to see the front court, which we knew was um you know going to be a little bit more shallow on tonight going up against you know uh you know Nikola v- uh, Vucevic mm-hmm. obviously Andre Drummond who killed them the last game the day after yeah. Christmas for like 25 rebounds or whatever um yeah. but it just felt like Chicago was just never out of the game like yeah. they were just the game was never out of reach for them and they were just as consistent as can be they never got away from doing what they had been doing since the first quarter um you know and and this was also a game that i'm not gonna say playoff implications per se but if the playoffs were today we're talking about two seeds that are right there at the bottom um as well um it was it was uh it it was interesting but i think that this is one of the games that the hawks can take notes from you know because Mm -hmm. you know we always talk about how the styles make fights and different things like that i think this is a team that Atlanta hadn't seen, you know, anyone with this type of style where it is slow and it's methodical. It reminds me of the playoffs where, you know, all the transition points, there isn't that as much anymore. You know, the the game slows down possession by possession, more half court offenses and letting DeMar DeRozan go off, you know, mid-range king. That that was the other interesting part I was going to say. The mid the the two ties in this game being, you know, DeJounte Murray as good as he is from mid-range and obviously the mid-range king and DeMar DeRozan and then Mm -hmm. even the two guys that are up for six man of the year between Bogey Bajanovic uh and Kobe White North Mm -hmm. Carolina there you go uh, Tanitra so I mean listen I I thought that um I thought it was a good lesson learned on tonight when one team gets punched in the mouth at home or what have you and no matter what that record looks like um, you know, I think the Hawks learned a valuable lesson that they can learn from. Yeah, and and I would agree with you in that it was one of those games where first off, it was the depth in the front court as well. So, and we'll talk about the backcourt blues we saw tonight, but I think the depth in the front court 
with no 15 kind of was more evident maybe than it has been in the last couple of games. Yes. Onyeka Okongu's definitely had a solid game and granted he did hurt his toe. So when you look at his final stat line and you see 11 points and 12 rebounds, it doesn't quite tell the whole story, Mm -hmm. but it does tell you that maybe you saw something missing there because Bruno Fernando kind of gave you flashes the last couple of games, but you kind of knew that wasn't going to be sustainable. And you saw that that tonight with four points and seven rebounds. Yeah. Like that's not sustainable. And I think that was a big problem because like we said, yeah, the backcourt absolutely torched this Hawks backcourt that this Bulls backcourt did. But really when you kind of look in the numbers as well and you say, well, where was the big that was going to stop Nikola Vucevic? Where was the big that was going to stop Andre Drummond? Or where was the big that was really going to stop that front court uh, when you look at DeMar DeRozan and the kind of night he had 29 points tied with Tasunmu for the game high, and you start wondering, okay, where was Sadiq Bay, Jalen John? Like, where was that, the, you know, at the 3-4 to give him some type of grief and kind of keep him respectable? And mm-hmm. I don't know that that element was really there. Uh, it seemed like the Hawks were, especially as that game plotted on, like you said, seemed like they were more consumed with catching up by scoring, which we understand mm-hmm. that's their mm-hmm. natural inclination. Sure. It, it's to score, but sure. it just felt like the Hawks were way too committed to, we're going to wait until our sh- shots start to fall. And that's going to bring us back into the game as opposed to no, they're over here being real methodical and being yeah. really efficient with their shots. They were. And they're going to go deep into the shot clock such that we won't even have as much time on the clock to be able to take our shots. So you look at that and you're kind of seeing, like you said, points in the paint are respectable, but more, more fast break points, excuse me, were the most res- uh, respectable. But then I look and kind of drill down into the numbers and it's like, well, you kind of let them have their way in some areas where you know better because your shots weren't exactly falling, maybe from the field, but from <laughs> yeah. three point land where you yeah, would have it definitely expected, wasn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. where And that's where you would have expected to get back in the game. Once things started to kind of taper off, especially in that second quarter. And again, we'll kind of come back to that shortly, but especially when things started to taper off in that fourth quarter and you allowed this team to really, really start ratcheting it up, then, what did you do to counter that on defense? It just seemed like DeMar Rosen, DeRozan was getting the spacing that he yep. wanted. He was able mm-hmm. to get the shots that he wanted. He was really controlling. That's where the control of, and the tempo of the game really started. Absolutely it was. Yeah, and there was really no answer that the Hawks, I don't even want to say that they didn't have for him, but it just didn't seem like anyone was there for it. Didn't seem like anyone was really saying, okay, I'm raising my hand, second half. You know, you might've had your way the first half, but you're not going to have your way scoring on us and we're not going to allow you to put others in scoring position to do the same. Well, I feel like a big part of this game, if I'm just being honest, was uh, so defensive minded, you know, not only did um, Chicago do a good job offensively, particularly from the field and what have you, right. um, but also playing defense. I thought they yes, had they you know, played very yes. elite defense. Um, yes. And especially to be a team that you don't have Alex Caruso, yep. um, their starting point guard. I don't think that, you know, I, I, I was thinking like, how much are they going to miss that? But when you start talking right. about some of the other guys on the team, Ayo DeSumo and some others, you mm-hmm. kind of factor in like that is yeah. their culture to a degree yep. um and then you you know start looking at the hawks inability to defend 
on yeah. top of that. I mean, this was a, a, a Chicago team that if not tonight, then any other night, um, you know, they look like the most disciplined team in the league, you know, elite yeah. ball movement. It was just a bad yes. matchup. Yes. They were relentless. They were fearless. Mm -hmm. And they just weren't looking at their weaknesses or weren't looking at their errors as errors. They just kind of yeah. capitalized where they, you know, felt the need to. Yes. And that was one of the things I saw with them as well. They seemed very, very confident anytime they had a possession that did not result in points. Mm -hmm. They seemed to just get back on defense and get ready for their next possession. Mm -hmm. Whereas the Hawks seemed like they were kind of rushing through sometimes or just kind of expecting a possession to go a certain way. And then, you know, just really didn't kind of have an answer for why it didn't go that way. And that's interesting because in years past, with virtually the same rosters, these two teams usually go back and forth, up and down. They, they usually do. split they a, do. a season series. So this is they kind do. of interesting to me, and we'll talk about it a little bit more in the end one, but to me it was very interesting that now you find Chicago to have a 2-0 lead in the season series, which also puts them two games ahead in the race for, I guess, that play-in space within the Eastern mm -hmm. Conference. So it'll be interested, interesting to see because I feel like now the Hawks kind of put themselves with their backs against the wall. When we're looking at the bigger picture, I think they really missed an opportunity here. But we'll talk more about this Hawks-Bulls game and what went wrong tonight in the and one when we get back. And this episode of our Locked on Hawks postcast is brought to you by LinkedIn. Now, if you guys know anything about the job search, which, hey, I'm sure you do, because a lot of us have been in it at some shape, in some way, shape or form at some point in time. And I'm talking about an extensive job search, right? Imagine being on the other side of that and being the company trying to find the right candidate. Well, when you're hiring for a small business, that's exactly what you want to do. And you want to utilize your resources, time, talents, treasures properly to find the right candidate. And LinkedIn Jobs can help you to do it. They have the tools to help find the right professionals for your team, both faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. It has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. LinkedIn also does all that while making the process easy and intuitive, so much so that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. So LinkedIn is constantly looking for ways to make the process easier for you. And two and a half small businesses are using LinkedIn for hiring. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NBA. That's LinkedIn dot com slash locked on nba to post your job for absolutely free terms and conditions do apply but this is a great opportunity again for you to find some of the best candidates and even launch a feature that helps you write your job descriptions to make the process even easier and quicker to find top talent so deshaun this was one of those interesting games where in the first quarter and even early into the second quarter, this looked like, okay, easy breezy. The Hawks are going to get their seventh win in the last nine games. We're going to start talking about the fact that State Farm Arena is looking like it gives home court advantage again. Hawks went on a 10-0 run. They went up eight at the end of the first quarter. They even went into the second quarter with 11 assists, no turnovers. So that means you are moving the ball well, and you are also protecting it well, mm -hmm. except that then the Hawks allowed the Bulls to go on a 17-4 to run the last five minutes of the second quarter, and it really seems like they never recovered from that. What happened? 
Yeah, I mean, it was just, like I said, the inability to play defense. This is a Chicago team that, you know. Well, wait, 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 wait. Can I ask you a question, though? Absolutely. Was that inability or was that lack of desire? Probably a combination of both. Okay, okay. Keep it on, looked, keep it, going. So, so bad that it looked like an inability. Like they just were not capable of doing so. And this yeah. isn't a Chicago team that's known for his offense. We talked about how good they look right. defensively. This is a Chicago team that... Yeah, exactly. Ranks one of the worst in the NBA. Um, and I, you know, I don't think that it helped the fact that, you know, when you start talking about the, the ability for Chicago to score, they had four players tonight that had 20 points or more. Yes. That's almost like unheard of. Now, I know yeah. that the Hawks defense is bad and ranks amongst one of the lowest in the NBA. But like something has to be corrected with that somehow because you can't expect high you know, high hopes. It'll be nothing but just, you know, wishful thinking that this team can really excel, um, you know, and to a height of which is desirable for most Hawks fans with playing defense the way that they did on tonight. And that's the way that they've kind of been playing defense. Yeah, there's going to be some some moments. There's going to be mm-hmm. some spurts where they're going to play defense really good mm-hmm. uh, and in some games. But for the most part, it's like they haven't been able to stop a nosebleed and yeah. that's something that just really can't be tolerated no matter how many points you put on the board and and obviously most people say oh well you win the game because you get more points than the other team yeah but you got to be able to stop that other team we talked before you know many many weeks ago about well indiana put up 151 game then 150 another game and then over 100 and something another game. it's just way too many instances of they're not you know being defense um we thought that they were going to be outmatched, you know, in, in the front court, in which it appeared that they definitely were talking about yeah. the Atlanta Hawks. Somehow they out rebounded the Chicago Bulls. Yeah. Not really sure how that happened, but probably because they had so many guys like Ayo Desumu and a few others who just mm-hmm. could not miss a shot. That's probably yeah. how that ended up happening. Indeed. And I think it was one of those things where, again, when you look into that particular stat for rebounds, offensive rebounds, 15 to seven, that's really where you won that because yeah. your shots weren't falling, especially from the three-point line. So obviously you're going to get more second chance opportunities. Thus Absolutely. you beat them on the boards by six. But if we're being honest about it, they really beat you on the boards. I don't care what that number shows because mm-hmm. ultimately speaking, they were doing those rebounds where they counted. And I could count at least three of those rebounds in the last two to three minutes where you were just heaving up shots desperately or the bulls were falling off a little bit, but it was too little too late to give that type of intensity mm-hmm. at that point in the game. And that's why I wanted to clarify the question of was it that you can't play or you don't play because you certainly caused two turnovers in those last couple of minutes that actually got you to within six, which, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's nothing for a team to, you know, bogey to spot up and hit a three, trade to spot up and hit a three, and all of a sudden this game is going to overtime or you win it by one. So to me, it was more of like, did you just not have interest? I mean, did you just assume that eventually the the three ball that went, completely quiet in the second quarter will come back in the second half. That's how I kind of felt like they played the game. Like that was, they were leaning on or depending on the three ball to come back to them or to come back to everybody other than Bogdan Bogdanovich. And it just really never did. But when you look at another area that now, I think for me, it was a bit shocking. This is the first time I can think of in recent memory where I felt like the opponent's backcourt really, really ran through the Hawks backcourt. I mean, I, I just, it was confusing for me because like you said, 
Cody White basically in relief. Dasunmu kind of expected that. He usually has a solid game against them, but we're talking about a combined 49 points, 14 assists, and six rebounds for White and Dasunmu. And then you look at the stat line for Trey and DeJounte, and it's 36 points. Mm-hmm. Definitely the assists were good, 23 assists and eight rebounds. But for me, again, that was kind of troubling because I was like, okay, why do they have that much trouble stopping Dasunmu and White? And did we see, Deshaun, any reverting back to some of those old habits of lack of communication and not playing togetherness that started in the backcourt that kind of then lent itself to the front court? I don't think so. I don't okay, think good. we saw that's, I don't think good. we saw yeah, I don't think we saw some of that. I think that um I think it was just things that, you know, that Chicago was doing that the Hawks hadn't either A hadn't seen uh, before, B hadn't seen in a long time, yeah, or whatever the case may be. Um maybe but, long time, yeah. Yeah, and and I I think that it's more so of that for me. And I mean, when you start factoring in by far not an excuse, but you know, obviously not having Clint and Bruno being limited. And I understand that that, you know, it, as much as that can go, you know, in, in a on a positive spin for you during the games that you win, mm-hmm. um, it's the same, you know, same thing that happens when you, you know, obviously lose a basketball game, but you just didn't have one of those phenomenal nights by anybody. I mean, for what you got from DeAndre Hunter, considering yeah. um, his time and things like mm-hmm. that, you know, yeah. that's one thing, Boogie Bogdanovich, obviously. Yep. I think the bench points helped out a yeah. whole lot more. That kept you in the game. Uh, that, that's what ultimately kept you in the game. Um, yeah. So without that, it's crazy to think that, you know, this team would have even really had a chance against right. a Bulls team that's really not all that good. But I'll tell you what, they're definitely well coached, and they're just super disciplined. Yeah. This yeah. was a Hawks team that just really didn't appear all that disciplined tonight for me. For I, some reason. I would agree. I would agree. And speaking of the contributions that you got from the bench, of course, DeAndre Hunter has been coming off the bench due to right knee injury management. So the Hawks are saying that he's not necessarily on a minutes restriction. I think it's more of a minutes monitoring so that they don't have a cutoff number for him. But sure. tonight he did play 28 minutes, got 20, whew, 23 points in those 28 minutes. Six of 14 from the field, four of seven from three, along with six rebounds. And I'll just be honest, it really made me think about whether or not he might actually be a better weapon for the Hawks off the bench versus the starting role. Something yeah, I've 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 been saying it, Tanitra. I've been kind of beating that drum for a while now. And again, a lot of that kind of goes back to something that I said, you know, many episodes ago where I don't think that DeAndre Hunter had ever been in a challenging position to where he may lose his spot. Um, regardless of the end result tonight, there's an old saying that goes, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. This doesn't seem, you know, broken to me. It makes perfect sense. You start this guy and you sit that guy. And the guy that needs to be starting is number 41, Sadiq Bay. Because I know what I'm getting every single night. Yes. When he's healthy or when he's not, whatever the case may be, I know mm-hmm. what to expect. And not that Indeed. my expectations are ridiculously high, but sometimes right. you just need a little bit more of that spark off of mm-hmm. the bench in which I yeah. think that's something that DeAndre Hunter gives this team. 
Yeah, and I think Sadiq has shown a consistency and a commitment to two-way play. Yeah, tonight it was only 11 points and five rebounds, which was a little bit of a logo for him from what Mm -hmm. we've seen the last Mm -hmm. couple of games. But ultimately speaking, I was still pleased with it because at least, like you said, I know I'm going to get quality results from him each Mm -hmm. and every night at both ends of the court. Or if he sees that his shot's not falling, he's not going to sit there and kind of try to force it. He's going to go wherever the need is and wherever he thinks that he can actually contribute. And that's how he makes a difference. So I really kind of find myself liking him in that starting role. I think the bigger question for Quinn Snyder may be, and I was talking to somebody about this earlier today, and it's sort of like, I call it the Zen effect, you know, sort of like Phil Jackson had with certain players knowing how to push certain buttons when they were in positions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When they were in Mm -hmm. positions that maybe were uncomfortable for them, but he could get them to perform and deliver. That's right. I think Quinn has that Zen like quality. I can see that. I can see that where he could kind of help Deandre Hunter to understand that here's why Mm -hmm. we switched Sadiq into the starting role. And here's why you're coming off the bench. You're still going to play deep minutes, but here's what I'm seeing. Now the question becomes whether or not Deandre Hunter would be able to transition or kind of reset his mind because I think Bogdan Bogdanovich is an amazing example of a former starter who was then moved to the bench and now has become the heart and soul of the second unit, the leader of the second unit, and all maybe arguably the top six man in the entirety of the NBA. We'll see Mm -hmm. because you're right. You did bring it up uh, recently for the last couple of games. There's that confidence aspect there that's too it, a little right? bit what, for Well, that's the mentality. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. why I said I don't know if he has the mental the way mm-hmm. Bogey did because Bogey's like, I don't care where I come from. That's right. I'm going to shoot this ball. That's right. And if you want me to come from the bench and shoot this ball, most of the time I'm doing it. If you want to insert me or have to insert me into the starting role, I'll do that too. But I'm confident enough and I don't. I won't overthink it. And that's wonder right. if that's an indictment on me. I'll look at it as that's just where the team is. That's where we have to be. Then well, it shows of, in the game. That's it true. It shows exactly. Speaking of where the team has to be, the Hawks have to be up 85 North on Wednesday, hopefully doing something to end on a high note before the All-Star break. We'll talk about it when we get back. Our Locked on Hawks postcast is also brought to you by Nissan. Now, are you the kind of driver that likes to push things a little further? Ever wonder what adventure could be around the next corner? Our friends at Nissan have a lineup of SUVs with the capabilities to take your adventure to the next level. The 2024 Nissan Rogue is absolutely perfect for city drives and great escapes. Class exclusive. Google built-in is your always updating assistant to call on for almost anything. So done with the days of Google Assistant, Google Max, Google Play Store. It's all built right in to the 12.3-inch HD touchscreen infotainment system, almost like the very tablet I'm looking at right now. The 2024 Rogue is perfect. It's a mid-sized crossover for your next adventure. But don't forget about the other two in the mix of SUVs for Nissan. The Nissan Pathfinder, which has room for up to eight, an expansive cargo capacity, and advanced available 4x4 capability, or the Armada, which also can seat up to eight in first-class luxury and style, and it tows bigger, and can explore further in the 2024 Armada, that's what you can do. So take the Nissan Rogue, the Nissan Pathfinder, or the Nissan Armada and find your next experience. And you can check them out by shopping NissanUSA.com.
So, Deshaun, we want to and hope that this team can end on a high note going into the All-Star break. And they have an opportunity to do that up in Charlotte on Wednesday. They'll take on the Hornets. Let me ask you this. First of all, normally we would just go through keys of the game, right? But I want to say because we really thought this was going to be a win for the Hawks, maybe kind of dialing it back and asking you this. Did you see at least somewhere, whether it was obviously not the team collectively, so there's that. But did you see anything individually that you like tonight where it encourages you for what things can look like when they come back from the break? Um, Outside of the bench play that what they got, you know, in terms of contribution from DeAndre Hunter, who has mm-hmm. clearly been looking really good coming off of the pine. Uh, yeah. And obviously, you know, Bogdanovich. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the others, maybe not as much, if I'm just being honest. And I, I, I hope that um, not only do I hope that I'm wrong about that, um, mm-hmm. but they they owe some get back for whatever reason. I think last year uh, mm-hmm. we we're talking about them playing the uh, playing Charlotte. They lost three out of the four meetings to Charlotte this mm-hmm. year. I think they played them early at the beginning of the season, lost to them in that particular game as well. So yep. I don't know what the issue is. We just sat up here talking about against the Bulls, the Styles making fights and everything else. They got to have an answer for Miles Bridges. That mm-hmm. doesn't mean you you know you're gonna walk in there and they're gonna lay down for you just because they're seven and twenty one record at home. They are right. also on a two game win streak. They won the last two exactly. Yeah, and you don't hear that very often about the Charlotte Hornets. So right. you know, I, I think that um, I think that you know they've. I, I think that as long as the Hawks treat this situation not like it's just another game, yeah, um, and not reading the name on the front of the jerseys being the Charlotte Hornets. I think mm-hmm. that they'll come away and be victorious, but it's going to take a little bit more than just assuming so and talking and saying it um, yeah. that's going to be able to, you know, get them the win. Right. And conference wins matter at this point. It doesn't matter who you get the win against or that's what right. their record is. The most important thing is you have to get the com- conference win. And, you know, this was one of those games where, uh, Jalen Johnson was actually coming off the bench. He was the second highest scorer for the Hawks. So I think that bodes well now that he's been inserted into the starting lineup and had a nice near double-double game when mm-hmm. they lost to the Hornets. So I think that's one you know critical key there that could make the difference. Uh, I think, too, they didn't get the greatest game from the bench. Like mm-hmm. the, the unit, just other than Jalen Johnson, nobody else from the unit showed up. So I think if you could do your part, bench unit, and you could actually show up. I think that's a good look. And that should at least put them in position to get a win. And I think also having Jalen Johnson inserted into the starting lineup should help. We hope that Onyeka won't have any problems because the word is that Clint won't come back until after the All-Star break. So we definitely yeah. need everything to be okay with Onyeka yeah. Kongwu because we don't want to have this conversation uh, that we're having tonight. We don't want to have this again Wednesday night. And I think to that point, with Jalen Johnson coming back, he's going to have his hands full. He's going to have his hands full potentially with um, helping out somehow, some way in making sure that the front court for the Hawks shows up a bit better. But uh, honestly, I think it also boils down to this. We know that um, at the end of the day, the Hawks backcourt, we'll just call it an off day because we did mm-hmm. agree that we didn't and it felt see like that. that. Yeah, we didn't like see that. anything Everybody that showed. Was, yeah. Yeah, we didn't see anything that shows that they were reverting back to how they played 
10 games ago. Mm-hmm. I think we still mm-hmm. saw shades of that. And I think they'll do a reset and they'll be just fine on Wednesday. Indeed. So we appreciate you guys for stopping by the Locked On Hawks postcast as always. And remember to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel for more on the Hawks. Of course, check out our guy Brad Rowland on Locked On Hawks. And we will see you guys postcast Wednesday night.